Yeah. So what, what you what you woke up with like a slight cough and thus death is right around the corner is basically your well, mindset. <clears throat> well, my brother, you know, had a pretty bad cough yesterday. And then by the evening, I noticed that I was coughing a little bit. And just couldn't sleep last night. Like once I went to bed, I was just, you may notice that, you know, I, I DM'd you at like 9 p.m. your time, something like that. Right. That's because I just hadn't gone to sleep yet. Finally fell asleep for about four and a half hours and woke up. Yeah. With, with quite the, with the cold sweats and the cough and whatnot. So, right. um, but I'm hoping, I mean, international travel, it happens. Yeah. Uh, feels like between being trapped on a plane with people who could be carrying whatever diseases that that reach you a couple days later and your body rejecting the time zone change you're putting it through. I feel like it's especially uh, people of our advanced age. It seems harder exactly. and harder to get through this sort of travel without picking a little something up. Uh, I mean, I, I blame Philadelphia personally, where I was <laughs> for four hours. How long were you here? So you were at the airport for like an hour? Four. Oh, OK. Yeah, you can get something yeah. in four hours at the Philly airport. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and obviously, I greatly hope that I won't have ended up killing Michael Palin, who is 80 years old and was getting, you know, quite tired after after the this event that we were at yesterday by the time I, I collared him. So that would be disappointing if that happens. John Cleese, incidentally, from Western Supermare. I don't know. Same time as me. Ah, OK. I was going to say, I don't know what that means. OK, now, yeah. now, now I understand why that's of import. OK. There you go. I should have mentioned that to Michael yesterday, but I didn't. <laughs> well, when you find yourself hobnobbing with John Cleese, you still have an anecdote left over then. Actually, you, in fact, would have two anecdotes now. I'm from the same place as you, and I met Michael Palin. Right. And hopefully I met Michael Palin, not I killed Michael Palin. <laughs> well, it's a better anecdote if you killed Michael Palin. <laughs> well, yes, I suppose it depends on your perspective. Not if you're his mate, probably. Right. There's different interpretations of better. A more interesting anecdote. We'll put it that way. As, there you go. As you chat with John Cleese from behind bars, having murdered Michael Palin <laughs> with a cough. Exactly. Welcome to another edition of the Interim Champion Boxing Podcast with Raskin and Mulvaney. With my co-host, Eric Raskin, I'm Kieran Mulvaney. Uh, coming up on this midweek pod, we'll look ahead to Jaime Munguia versus John Ryder and back on a pair of title fights in Japan. Plus, Eric will hit me with a new edition of the fight game. But first, somewhat delayed by my UK sojourn, uh, let's take a quick look back at the weekend's big fight, the welterweight title bout between Natasha Jonas and Michaela Mayer. Now, the most important thing by far about this fight is that we called it almost perfectly in our Money Punch segment last week. We just about told everyone exactly what was going to happen, and we have no money to show for it. Story of our lives. But uh, but hey, it's about the process. You have a good process. You'll win long term. Anyway, we both advised that the best wager on this fight was the draw at 15 to 1, and we were just one point on one scorecard away from nailing it. This was an exciting, close fight. One judge had it 97-93 Mayer, another had it 96-94 Jonas, and the third, one point away from a draw, had it 96-95 Jonas, giving the local fighter a split decision in Liverpool. Kieran, you watched it after the fact, but uh, what did you think of the fight and the scoring? 
So it is important to emphasize that I knew the results long before I watched the fight. And right. I also knew how you scored it. So, and I just don't think you should take anybody's scores very seriously when they go into it with that information. Sure. But all that said, um, I thought it was a very enjoyable and exciting and closely contested fight. Um, and not just because we both picked the draw on the money on the money punch. I, I in fact did score it 95-95 a draw. Mm. Um that said. I think I gave Jonas just about as many rounds as it were possible. I, I could squint and just about see 96-94 Jonas, but I could more easily see 96-94 Mayer. Um, and I can also see 97-93 Mayer, although I do think Jonas clearly won three rounds, so that would require like not giving her the benefit of the doubt in any of the other, other rounds. And I thought that several rounds were very, very close indeed. Uh, it was an interesting clash of styles, wasn't it? There was Mayer's work once she got going, and I'm sure she'll she'll regret giving away some of those early rounds. Um, it, her work was more obvious. She was stalking forward, throwing power punches with a lot of leverage, and, and Jonas's work was maybe a bit easier to miss. So her best punches were shorter and thrown on the counter, and she did put in some decent body work. But look, I feel for Mayer. That's two close contests she's lost by the slimmest of margins now. Uh, on the one hand, one might worry she's going to turn into a Sergei Derevyanchenko-like figure, you know, yeah. constantly controversially losing her biggest bouts by very slim margins. But I think she's better than Derevyanchenko relative to her opposition. And if she and Jonas rematched, which I hope they would do, uh, I think I'd probably make her the favorite, uh, perhaps unless it's in Liverpool. But um, look, unlike me, you watched it in real time. Uh, like I said, I know your score, but yeah. indulge me and let the <laughs> listeners know whether you agreed with the judges' scorecards and what you thought about the fight. Yeah, so as you know, I agreed with one of the judges' scorecards. I had it 97-93, Mayor, but I'll say right up front, I don't think the R word applies here um, between the two-minute rounds and how hard they can be to score and just this particular fight, how many close rounds there were. I have no problem whatsoever with finding, as you did, five rounds to give Jonas and ending up with a draw. I do think 96-94 Jonas is a reach, and so I really hate that Mayer has a loss on her record here. She really deserved better, but I I'm not willing to call this a robbery. Um, I'll tell you who is, however, the great Al Bernstein. Uh, he felt Mayer won and that it was clear-cut. And I tweeted in response to him that I had it 7-3 but could have lived with a draw, and he tweeted back, quote, even a draw would be egregious to me. There are six rounds she definitely won. Now, I don't feel nearly as strongly as Al, um, but but I do think Mayer won the fight. I thought she landed the cleaner, more effective blows. She fought the slightly superior fight to my eyes. And, and like you, I, I feel bad for her having two losses on her record when she could easily still be undefeated. Um, that said, what an excellent fight. Uh, this is something we're seeing consistently when the best fight the best in women's boxing. The fights are almost always first rate from an entertainment perspective. You know, Taylor Serrano, Taylor Cameron, one and two, Mayor Baumgartner, this one between Mayor and Jonas, they're all delivering. There's no like Canelo, Charlo. Uh, oh, that was a, that was a boring one sided stinker. We're, we're not getting that from any of these big women's fights. Um, I know Mayor is calling for a rematch. I hope she gets one. I think it makes all the sense in the world here to, to run it back. Um, I have two other uh, quick uh, patented trivial Raskin observations around this fight. Um, first one, Love Me Do does not work as a ring walk song. I, 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 I get the lyrical intent, you know, trying to kiss the crowd's ass a bit. You know, we're in the Beatles hometown and the lyrics, you know, 
basically that I love you and uh, I want you to love me back and all that. But uh, just didn't work. The wrong sort of tempo for a ring walk. I love the Beatles, but I, I'm not sure any of their songs make for good ring walks other than than maybe Helter Skelter, I guess. Right. I don't know if there's anything else that comes right to mind for you. But for the most part, I feel like the Beatles are a stay away in terms of getting the crowd pumped up walking to the ring. And it is uh, a smidge better than Why Can't We Be Friends? But only a smidge better. <laughs> only a smidge. Yes. OK. Um, my other observation. What's up with your peeps in England booing every national anthem? Uh, first, they booed the U.S. anthem, which... Okay, not the classiest move, but in this case, the U.S. is the enemy and America does kind of suck, uh, especially when it comes to processing dairy products. So I get that. But then they booed their own anthem, too. So is this just a symptom of our politically divided times that any anthem represents some deep state boogeyman or whatever? Do you have any insights on this, Kieran? Well, it was in Liverpool and Liverpool occupies a very unique situation in the United Kingdom and it's very much sees itself as denigrated by and hated by the British state and and that really hmm. stems from the 1980s when it was going through a period of tremendous poverty and and Margaret Thatcher uh, basically said that Liverpool should be allowed to enter a state of quote managed decline hmm. um and then added to that uh in 1989 uh, 97 Liverpool Football Club supporters lost their lives uh, in uh, a, a crush at uh, a, a ground in, in Sheffield. And British newspapers, somewhat supported by the British government, said that it was their fault, that they were animals, that they were urinating on each other, that they were stealing from from you know wallets and that, from dead bodies and all, all lies, all complete and total lies, hmm. as that was ultimately exonerated after a very, very long um, court process, uh, which found that they were all unlawfully killed. It was a result of very bad policing and so on and so forth. All of that has caused the city of Liverpool to develop something of a resentment. And huh. recently, they have gotten a reputation for booing the national anthem. So, um, yeah, so yes, and, you know, and, and the rest of the country sort of gets in a snit about it, which just makes Liverpool feel that their position is all the more the case. So that's what was going on there. Interesting. I had no idea there was such a legit explanation for it. But so kind of to, to some extent, is Liverpool the Philadelphia of England that they're known for booing? Um, it's specifically it's specifically like the 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 state, as it were. Um, okay. Generally, they're regarded, I, I think, as a pretty, pretty friendly folk. And and and, you know, they're both Liverpool and Everton, the two football teams, their supporters are quite you know, considered to be pretty, pretty good. But yeah, it's it's very much if Philadelphia was socialist and regarded because that's the other thing. Liverpool's a not only a proudly left wing city, it's a proudly socialist city. Mm. And so if Philadelphia were socialist and kind of regarded it and was at the head of some kind of um, severance movement, yes. But uh, uh, but yeah, so th so that's the deal of what was going on there. You okay. didn't think you were going to learn so much. Did I, you? I've I've learned a ton. I feel much smarter now. But I'm going to sort of ignore the last bit and just decide in my mind that Liverpool is the Philadelphia of England because I'm going to like there, uh, there torturing you with that. Right? Yeah, there right. are similarities, and it's a gritty working class city. I'm proud of that, right. and and definitely sort of regards itself as an outsider and. And, and feasts on that kind of chip on its shoulder, all of that. So there are definitely similarities okay. there, yes. 
All right. Interesting. I appreciate the explanation. I thought I was just throwing a random little, uh, do you have any insight into this question out there? And it turns out you had insight. Who knew? Who knew that eventually, finally, after 10 <laughs> years, I had some insight on something. Amazing. Right. It had to happen eventually, didn't it? <laughs> I guess. I, I almost feel like we shouldn't uh, continue the podcast, that we ought to go out on a high note here because and r- without risking you sullying this reputation right. you've now and established. And not just this podcast, all our podcasts <laughs> right. in, this in has future. Been, this it's is been it. fun, Kieran. It's been yep. great. This is the mic drop moment, though. There you go. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're wearing headsets. They're hard to drop. I guess we should continue. Right. Yes. All right, then. Um, let's go uh, all the way to Osaka, Japan, then, shall we? Where on Tuesday... Producing quality podcast content like this doesn't come easy. And we are, oh, so very poor. So if you would like to listen to the rest of this, please click the necessary button and subscribe.